I'm going to treat this as a little bit of a confessional situation here, but I have learned something about myself recently. Mm, Let's hear it. Yeah. So I have realized that there have been times where I totally thought I was a good ally. And in fact, I was the exact opposite. I was a tool of the patriarchy. Mm, Do you have an example? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So um, before I worked in public radio, I worked in the restaurant industry. I waited tables. And this may come as a shock to you. But there is a lot of sexism in the restaurant industry. Oh, you don't say. I know. I'm glad you were sitting down when I'm I I'm glad I wasn't that. drinking water. Right? <laughs> Total spit take stuff. <laughs> there are exceptions for sure, like especially in fine dining. But overall, your front of house staff, like your wait staff, your hosts, the people who answer phones are women. Your back of house staff in restaurants, cooks, chefs, managers, owners, those are men. And if you wait tables, your goal is to... Make as much money in tips as possible. So that means whatever goes on around you, if it's the cook saying something to you, if it's the manager saying something, if it's a customer saying something, you got to put up with it Mm -hmm. because you just need to make that money in tips. Yeah. Right. I used to work at a restaurant and this guy would he gave out these like personal creepy books to people, but he also would give away jewelry to folks, things like that. And it was such a weird dynamic to experience. Yes. As a hostess. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Here, like, if you and I had worked together then, and this is something that I said to a bunch of women I worked with, they would talk about the stuff that they were dealing with, Mm -hmm. like the manager who wanted to take them out for drinks, the cook who would say awful things, the customers who would cross lines. Right. My response to all of that when they were asking for help, for guidance, was... I need you. Yes. My response was, toughen up. You just have to put up with it because your goal is to make as much money in tips as possible. So if you want the best shifts, let the manager buy you a drink. Mm. If you want to make sure your food tastes good, make sure the cook knows that you are okay with whatever they're saying so they don't spit in the food or screw it up. Mm -hmm. If you want that customer to give you a fat tip, just smile and walk away. Because your paycheck is these relationships. That's exactly, exactly right. So that happened. Yeah. And then I started working in public radio, and I totally brought that with me. The tips? There are tips? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Where? Surprise! Yeah, no, there are no tips in public radio. That's totally not a thing. What I did bring with me was that idea that you just have to, like, toughen up, right? Like, if you and I had worked together here 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, and you felt like you had an issue with your pay, like you were being paid inequitably or you weren't being considered for promotions or like you didn't get a chance for other cool opportunities here. Mm-hmm. I would have told you to just deal with it mm. and that you had to wait your turn and pay your dues. And eventually all that awesome stuff would Dang. be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Eventually it would all come your way. I know the look on your face. It's just like I I know that this is terrible, but I said this stuff all the time. Yeah, it doesn't sound helpful. It sounds like it's the complete opposite of it. It is the total opposite of helpful. Right. But here's like so here's the thing I'm struggling with right now, though. So if I fully thought I was being a good ally then and I wasn't, that means that now today I am also doing stuff where I think I'm a good ally. And I'm totally not being a good ally. Mm, this is probably true for the both of us. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know I need to interrogate it more. For sure, for sure. Now that I'm, you have me thinking about it, I yeah. I mean, I feel like I want to bring somebody else in here to help us. Oh yes. Oh please. <laughs> it can't be me. Okay. It can't be you. No, clearly it can't <laughs> be me. Okay, so we have to start the show then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is BTSW. 
battle tactics for your sexist workplace. Pew, pew, pew. I'm Eula Scott Bynum. And I'm Jeannie Yandel. So we were trying to figure out who could help us with this because it's kind of a tough thing, right? Figuring out how to be a consistent ally to other women at work. Mm -hmm. But we found somebody, Leslie Feinzak. Oh, I love Leslie. Yeah, yeah. So Leslie founded a startup back in February of 2017 and she wanted to raise money for it. So she started talking to venture capitalists. Oh, just ring them up. Seems so straightforward. Doesn't it, though? It does. Yeah. But um, would you like to play a game? Is, uh, is there sexism involved? Yes. Okay. Yes, there is. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm re- I can do this. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. All right. A game. I love how we call them games. When- I know. <laughs> okay. Scare quote. Let's play a fun, fun game. So, yes, what percentage of women-founded startups in the United States, got venture capital funding in 2018. Mm-hmm. What do you think the percentage is? So when I hear women, I think, like, that's not very many. And then I think uh, in America, I think that's not very many. Yes. And then I think, like, it's a whole lot of money, so they're judging women. I'm going to guess 13%. That's a good guess. It's super optimistic, oh, though. Did I win? Not at all. Yeah. Okay. The real percentage is actually 2.2%. Two? Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Way lower. Yeah. It's kind of shit. It's not great at all. So what Leslie did is she started a Facebook group for other women founders, called it the Female Founders Alliance, to talk about how hard it was to try and get funding from venture capitalists. And it took off. Like, it became a full-on organization to the point that it is now Leslie's full-time job to run this organization that focuses on how to help women founders and non-binary founders try and get funding, which is something that they have abysmally low chances of getting Mm -hmm. as it is, right? for real, so low. Yeah. Leslie, obviously, is a busy person. Mm -hmm. She has a lot going on right now, especially, but she made time to come in and talk to us. We're going to feed. Yes. Ah. Just for you. Okay, ready? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm Leslie Feinzeig. I'm the founder and CEO of the Female Founders Alliance. Leslie, thank you so much for coming in. And you brought somebody with you today. I did. This is baby Ruth. Yay. My two-week-old. Yeah. We are Too very... soon to leave her at home. Absolutely. We're really glad to meet you, Attach Ruth. that to him. <laughs> too soon for you to really be at your house. But yeah, we're glad well, you're here. you know, you go crazy if you stay inside too long. I agree. I was having cabin <laughs> fever. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay. So now we're going to stop focusing on Ruth for a second. We're going to talk about allyship instead. I love that we're having this conversation while you are while you are being the best kind of ally to another woman mm-hmm. by taking care of all of her needs yeah. right now. But we're talking about this in our careers and in the workplace. So, I mean, can you think of a time when you were not a good ally to another woman? Can you think of any examples of that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that anybody who can't think of that is probably just not being <laughs> honest with themselves enough or self-reflective enough. I, I will say I can't recall a time that I've been mean, like actively mean to someone. Yeah, like malicious. Yeah, yeah no, I can't, like having negative intent. Yeah. But I can definitely think of times where I've said, I'm not going to help this person. Um, men and women. Earlier in my career, I was uh, expecting a promotion and then they hired another woman who was 
kind of my my peer, I would say, in terms of resume and experience and trajectory. And they hired her at a higher level than me. And I was like, okay, well, she just took my promotion. There was no reason. She absolutely did not do this to me. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like these things are happening to you, even though they're absolutely not personal. And I remember her joining the team and I thought... I'm not going to help her even more. You know, she already outranks me. This is totally unfair. I've been waiting for this promotion for X long. And eventually we became great friends, right? But it took a while for me to kind of open up and think, you know what? This is a good person and she doesn't she doesn't deserve this. Mm -hmm. Um, And my promotion is mine. She did not stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Because it wasn't like you had like a, a banner that said my promotion. And exactly. She, and then she ran through it. To it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I'll take that from you. Yeah. She's like, I don't <laughs> know. Yeah. Yoink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was there a moment or a series of moments when that changed, when you started thinking differently about that idea of helping other women, right? That it wasn't a competition, I guess? Yeah. I think, uh, I think it takes some growing up, honestly. It's a little difficult to, um, when you're early on and it feels like, Things are zero sum. There's one promotion and either she gets it or I get it. But I think over time, what you learn is that there's lots of different opportunities for everyone. And for me, it was more when I started seeing the world from a position of plenty rather than than scarcity. Um, then I thought, OK, you know what? Nobody is doing this to me. I mean, I guess some people are. We can talk about that later. But, um, <laughs> but in general, people are good and they're just trying to go about, uh, you know, their lives. And um, there is an opportunity for more than one of us to be successful. And I think that is the thing that um, that really changes how you think and how you act when you realize it. it's not personal and also, it's not limited. Like, right. Yeah. We're not playing Survivor. Exactly. Like, this is a... Not only one person who's going to get this. great, yeah. great yeah. Uh, it's metaphor. Not, it's, yeah. Like, it's not... It might feel at any one point in time that, that you are competing for the same prize. What is the prize in Survivor? Oh, it's money. Right? Okay. <laughs> I don't oh, even know. Even better analogy. In, like, in my yes. mind, it's a big it's a big tiki mug. <laughs> I've never watched this. Uh, it must be a really good tiki mug. I think over time, you realize that there's lots of tiki mugs. Right. And like, if you don't get this one, you can get the next one. Right. Yes. It's all good. We all forge our own paths and they don't have to be at the expense of anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, beyond sort of just maturity, I guess, as you called it, what caused you to kind of see that this was a circumstance of abundance, right? That you were in abundance and not in scarcity. Oh, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint a single thing. I think just like progressing, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, progressing in my own career. At some point, you just kind of sit with yourself a, a little bit better, right? You get a little more self-confident yep. and uh, just a little more comfortable with who you are. And in my particular circumstance, it was also a matter of I spent a lot of time in one company because I was uh, dependent on the visa that they gave me because I'm not. Mm. Well, now I'm an American citizen, but at the time I was not. I think later mm. on when I got the green card and I was able to join different companies, I realized if I kind of topped out in this team and there's only that one spot and somebody's been parked in it for a long time, mm-hmm. I can always look for a job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of did that. I started joining different companies for a few years and then eventually I started my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you ever felt felt undermined by somebody in the workplace? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. By another woman? Um, mm-hmm. Both men and women, right? Uh, you do this 20 years and <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> you yeah. have some battle scars. But it feels so different when it's a woman, for it me at least. It feels personal, yeah. 
I don't know why. I don't know if we like think that we're, we're more entitled to each other's uh, support, which is its own kind of unfair expectation. Like, oh, like women are here to make us happy and like to be maternal. I say as I hold a little baby. Um, <laughs> there's a difference between people who think I went through this and so you have to as well versus I went through this so you won't have to. Do you feel like that we're set, like as women, we're set up to like not support each other? I don't know that we're set up to not support each other and certainly not in in every space. I think certainly in our personal lives, like women are incredibly supportive of each other. I could not survive without my girlfriends, right? In the professions, I think that there are certain professions where we have been conditioned to um, maybe if not compete, then certainly uh, to expect that we will be competed with. Yeah. I think that uh, for, <laughs> she's like smacking her lips. Yeah, I think in these hyper-competitive fields, the way I like to think about it is um, our mom's generation got the first foot in the door, right? Like they got the first seat. And for us, we certainly grew up knowing that there was a seat at the table, right? Like women can, quote unquote, do anything or go into any field, but there's only room for one. Uh, So you go back and you see any movie, like any picture, like if there's a woman, there's only one. And at some point you internalize the the fact that there's room for one. And if it's not you, it's me. And if it's not me, it's you. And um, I think when you get into these hyper competitive fields, by the way, no matter what gender you are, they're competitive, right? Now, I hope You know, this is me, like, I'm nearly 20 years out of college. So my hope is that it's a little bit better for, like, more recent grads, um, certainly in the past couple of years. Um, But I I don't have data to say whether that's true or not. Yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't different. For me growing up, I feel like I can remember having one of my first jobs and there being another black woman that was hired and hating it. And, and you were like, oh, oh I was so mad. It's her versus I, me. Well, it wasn't versus. It was more of like, for me, I always feel like with society, there's this expectation of, you know, there's a right way to be a black person. There's a right way to be a woman. And I've always kind of felt like I've been working really hard at doing the right thing at all, all the right times, the right way. And so I, I was worried that she wouldn't do the right thing all the time. And that she would, like, expose all of us. Both of you. Well, yeah, for everyone. It was just like, you know. And I, but I felt like that in multiple rooms where it just felt like, they don't want either of us. And so the one that's the most like them will be the one to that should be representative of us so that way they can normalize it, right? Versus yeah. coming in and just being who you are and not try- worrying too much about adapting. So how did it play out? Mm, I don't, uh, one of the hardest things for me was she got the same code as me and then it really, it really went downhill for me. <laughs> Which is so silly because we didn't wear our coats at work. But it was like, now we're only, there are only two black girls and we're wearing the only two lime green jackets. <laughs> <laughs> so um oh, so that was but that was like probably the hardest point for me and then i don't think it, i mean i got fired at some point so um <laughs> that happened later but i don't it didn't play out too aggressively but i know i wasn't friendly i mean it feels like a big part of this is internalized misogyny right where do you think internalized misogyny comes into play when it comes to whether or not you decide to be an ally to other women i really think it takes a little bit of time for women. I recall a thread on a Facebook group with uh, some earlier career um, professionals in technology talking about how they had never experienced any kind of misogyny or any kind of sexism, any kind of like a holding back or any behavior that had anything to do with the fact that they were women. And I was like, 
I just think you're, you haven't been at it long enough. Mm. Um, and you haven't had an opportunity to open your eyes and to see that, you know, it affects everything. It really, really, really does. And frankly, I, I, I'm no victim, right? Like, I, I think that even though it does affect everything, you can still survive and thrive and have an amazing career and do things that men can't do. Like, look at me right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something that should get you down, but it is something that you have to recognize that a lot of times, for instance, the feedback that we get is so colored by our gender. Um, yeah. The opportunities that we get are so colored by our gender. And that's just kind of the hand that we're dealt with. And you can absolutely have an amazing, thriving career out of it, but it's foolish to think that it's not there. One of the things that we keep hearing from listeners is there's a thing that happens, you know, where women think they're supporting other women just by telling them they need to change how they dress or how they sound, right? Like, you get a makeover and you'll have success out the butt. <laughs> oh, God. So that's definitely pop culture's fault. That's right. I can, I can almost, like, picture the TV show that, like... Mm, and now the YouTube channels. Oh, my God. So have you ever heard something like that? You know, has that ever happened to you where someone's giving you advice uh, about how to change yourself? You need to be a different kind of woman in order to succeed. Oh, my God. All the time. Oh, no. Like, like, uh, you have to be more assertive. You have to be less assertive. We can't hear you, right? I'm I'm kind of soft-spoken. So, like, you have to speak louder. Oh, you're so shrill. Right? Like, all of these, like... And and then you realize, so first of all, these things have nothing to do with me and they have everything to do with the person that's perceiving me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how can the same person be, like, too aggressive and not aggressive enough? Like, how? I mean, it's not possible. <laughs> I, I do think that, um, so first of all, and take this from someone who just had a baby, I think that women are, like, walking targets for unsolicited advice. Mm. Right? We're just, like, there's something about us being women that just, like, everybody has an opinion about when like who you're dating and when you get engaged and whether your wedding is the way that it's supposed to be and whether your marriage is what it's supposed to be and if you're having kids soon enough did, did you yeah well Jeannie and like, I's heads are gonna fall off we're nodding so much yeah so I mean I like <laughs> we're like all this like, is true <laughs> at every stage I'm like wait hey, now it'll stop no it doesn't stop <laughs> like my dad was visiting uh, last week to meet the baby who's here from Costa Rica. And I'm like, okay, now I have the two children and I have the house and I have the job and I was on Forbes. So, like, we're good now. Um, and, no, it turns out we're not good. He's like, so you think you're going to have a third? Like, my vagina is torn and I'm 40 years old. Like, Bruh. I don't Bruh. think so. Bruh. I think Bruh. we're good. Bruh. I, that was my second overshare. Um, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's real life. And like every woman who's had a baby is like nodding vigorously. Right? Vigorously. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily uh, I, I, like I don't think it's poorly meant. Yeah. Right? I, I really don't. And does that make a difference whether it's poorly meant or not? I think that if it's like a one time thing and somebody just run into and they give you unsolicited advice and it's like well meant, then you just, you know, just get over it. Like it's not the end of the day. Now, I would say if it's like your boss who is always giving you the unsolicited, well-meant advice. I do think when you get into these situations where um, a behavior is causing you distress and it's well-meant, but it's still poor behavior, then I do think that it's important to speak up, Hmm. right? Like positive intent coupled with routine uh, bad behavior is, is not something that you should take. So I do think it's important to speak up and to say something about it, particularly in the office. But if it's just like a person lightly touching your life and like opining about whether your bra strap should be showing or not at the office, then, you know, just 
smile and say thank you or mm-hmm. maybe don't smile because um, <laughs> we certainly are told to smile a lot but just you know move on appreciate a, a, a human being who thinks that they're doing you a favor I'm a big believer in like don't be a victim just don't be a victim like uh, so much of this stuff can get to you and make you crazy mm-hmm. yeah. and you I mean there's way too much of it you really got to pick your battles that's what I think and I absolutely understand that some people might disagree and think that we need to educate the world about not doing these things both things can be true. I just think that we have like a, a given amount of energy and time and I choose to like focus it on something that's a little bit more impactful yeah. than like the well-meaning unsolicited advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you know how to be a good ally? Like how do you make sure that you're doing it the right way? Yeah, you know, the, the key is what we have been talking about this whole time, which is like allyship is not advice. Mm. It's like it's not it. I think that there's definitely something to be said for having a sounding board, right? Like that whole idea of mentorship as conversation. Uh, there's something to be said for that, particularly when you're there young and you really have no idea about anything. Um, but at all stages in a woman's career, what really makes a difference is action. So I think if you want to be a better ally, then like stop opining and start (laughs) referring right like start sponsoring i think that that's the true allyship is when you actively open doors for other women um when you actively kind of uh, promote them invest in them um introduce them like do those warm referrals to whatever it is they need at the time right like do they need um a a promotion or do they need a new project or do they need a, a an investor do they need some media exposure I think those are the things that are within our power to do. And Mm -hmm. that to me is a lot more of the type of allyship that we need today professionally rather than like, well, you know, I'm older and smarter than you or whatever. Right. Like, and I can mentor you because men like who doesn't love mentoring? You just sit there and like lick yourself like a cat. Exactly. Just like (laughs) feel like you're so smart and good for like an hour like everybody wants to feel like they're helping someone and you are mentoring is very helpful i shouldn't act like it's not i feel no like it's it, very it is but it's also like at some point it's insufficient yeah and i say this as a as a as an entrepreneur a lot of people i would say like i don't think i've ever come across anyone who doesn't have an opinion about my company mm. or whatever i'm working on at the time everybody thinks that they have the answer and the truth is they don't they have <laughs> one answer out of many possible answers and you know not everybody's Steve Jobs and like that's it Hmm. um and so I think that when I think of what is helpful to me you can sit with me and give me all the advice in the world but what really matters is that you get me on KUW right Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. that's what makes a difference or or you know or that you introduce me to that investor that I really need to get in his office or in her office that is what really advances our careers take that action rather than like just give your your opinion and, and give advice that's such a good piece of advice it makes me think about my doula work you know as a doula so much of the job is like being quietly supportive and seeing what the person needs with before they have they have the need to ask like you don't have to ask like Jeannie and i see the good work you're doing you don't have to ask us to be a part of the show we're like we see it we should we should tell people about that and the same thing is with doula work where it's so much of you know oh that person has a baby in their arms maybe they can't also open that door yeah you know yeah yeah and so i'm just going to go open the door i'm not going to ask a bunch of questions or give advice on how to hold a baby and get through a door (laughs) it's the perfect example Mm -hmm. perfect 
I do wonder, though, I mean, what do you do? And I'm asking I'm asking you specifically this question Mm -hmm. because I know that you think a lot about this. What do you do to make sure your actions have impact, though? It's one thing to take action and be like, look at me. I took an action. And it's another thing to know that your action actually meant something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in in my case, I actually just measure it. Mm. I I have a key performance indicator for the Female Founders Alliance. And um, you can't change what you don't measure. And so we track the things that we care about as best as we can. And and that's how I know that we're having impact. I think of like leading indicators and lagging indicators, right? Like leading indicators are the actions that I take. So how many introductions did we make? How many um, media pieces get written about the, the companies in the alliance? How many speaking opportunities did we hand out? How many events did we hold that like taught women X, Y, and Z? And then there's the consequences of of all of those good deeds, right? Like, are um are companies progressing better? Are they raising capital? Are they succeeding? Are they having exits? And it, it in the case of the female founders lines, it takes a while to see those lagging indicators because a, a company's journey can take many years. And the things that we do to help those companies are only one part of like a larger ecosystem and a larger set of actions that those companies are taking Mm. Um, but we are very very deliberate about like okay well this is our one and only life and we have only so much time and so many resources and there's only so much that we can do and so let's be very very directed about you know the one thing that we're going to be best at and, Mm. and we just focus on it obsessively you will never be everything to everyone um you're just like if you're not saying no enough times, then then you don't know what you're doing. Um, so we are just very, very focused on these are the things that we're going to change. These are the things that make us unique. These are the things that nobody else is doing. Sometimes they're super unsexy. and But but that's where we think that we're going to have the most impact. And, and so we just measure it. Yeah. I'm making a list in my head of, of tactics for people who want to become better allies at work, right? And one is focus. <laughs> Don't try and be all things to all people. Another is measure your impact. Mm -hmm. See if what you're doing is actually making a difference. Figure out ways to measure that. What other tactics do you have for women who want to be better allies to women at work? Active help instead of passive advice. That Mm -hmm. that is for me. That is the biggest biggest one. So are you going to help somebody get promoted? How are you going to do that? Don't do that just by telling them how to be better. Do that by like giving them great reviews by casually name dropping them to every VP in the room, like. Be active about it. Don't be passive about it. You know, there is such a thing as giving fatigue at some point, which is why I think it's so important to figure out what you are going to, like, what is your one contribution to the world or your two contributions to the world? A lot of times um, people do expect that you are there to serve them. And we're not. We're not here to serve anyone, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're not. It's just, and that is a very gendered thing in and of itself. In my case, because I run this thing called the Female Founders Alliance, it comes with an expectation that I'm going to solve people's problems for them. And I'm not here to solve your problems. Like, it is your company and it is your responsibility. And I am going to contribute to it in these ways that I best can. But I definitely get called out by a few people that, like, I'm not doing enough for them. I'm like, okay, well... Can I point you in the direction of someone who can, like, fill that gap? If you are getting that kind of reaction to people that uh, you are not doing things right for me, you're not being a good enough ally, then on the one hand, it's important to reflect, like, 
okay, what are they perceiving in me that is not enough? And on the other hand, it's also important to set limits because just because somebody tells you something, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you owe them more. Like you really have to have a strong sense uh, of who you are, where you add the most value. So it, it might not be a perfect answer, but again, like there's no victims here. Yeah. Right? Like there's no victims. I mean, the hardest part about this question, right, is that to want to be an ally, to want to wear the pin, and then to be told that you're not doing a good job at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely have examples of times that uh, that like that feedback did have an impact on me and like made me improve my own allyship. Right. So so language is a good example. So English is my second language. And uh, I um, when I came up with the name of Female Founders Alliance, it was something that we just kind of stumbled onto. Um, we haven't talked about the evolution of it, but but really it was not intended to be a company or anything. Right. Like it was mm. a Facebook group in the beginning. Mm. And Female Founders is like has alliteration. That's easy. Right. Like, it, it, like <laughs> that, literally, that's how I came onto it and and then it was just a female founders alliance then we incorporated never never had a second thought eventually i realized that female has to do with biology and not gender and i was like ooh mm. okay wait <laughs> is that not being great to people but even then i was like all right you know um that's what we're called like in our mission we're still welcoming of all people and it wasn't until i hired our director of operations, Rory, who started earlier this year. And she's absolutely amazing. When she joined, she had educated herself about language. And she was really interested in learning how we could be more inclusive through our language. And so she set up these conversations with people who were either trans or gender nonconforming themselves or just experts in the field and also in terms of like uh, women of color. And we kind of went on this journey of, okay, well... Even if our name is what it is right now and we're having conversations about it, but how can we make the language that we use in our website, in our marketing materials, in our speeches more inclusive? And we started talking about uh, we changed our mission, right? So our mission is no longer to accelerate the success of female-founded companies. It is now to accelerate the success of companies started by women and non-binary individuals. And it's so funny because just even those subtle changes absolutely had an immediate impact like we had an applicant to the female founders alliance like literally within a week that wrote us an email afterwards and said you know i am specifically applying to be a member because i have never felt like anybody was including me right mm-hmm. like this it, i feel like you wrote this for me and and like we sat there and we read that thing and we all cried right because yeah. like we're like just because it's beautiful saps but yeah like it just goes to show like something really really small and for me it was just absolutely a blind spot right i am not super intentional about my language because i'm thinking in spanish all the time i have like weird language quirks that i never got rid of don't and i'm not sensitive about it i'm Mm -hmm. just not sensitive about it like i'm not sensitive to how people spell my name or say my name or like nothing and therefore i project that lack of sensitivity onto others uh, like, oh, who cares? Female Founders Alliance. It's just a name. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Actually, people do care. And it really does touch them. And I, I never realized uh, how mm-hmm. much something so small can can affect someone. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about different tactics that you can use to be a better ally, to receive feedback on your allyship. If you had to create like a starter pack for tactics... When it comes to being a better ally to women, what would be in that starter pack? The biggest thing is action, 
right? And we talked about this a lot, but stop giving unsolicited advice and start looking at a woman's career and thinking, okay, if I really want to be helpful, what are the things that she needs? Yeah. And and that is the number one uh, thing. It should be bolded and highlighted and like italics and like double underlined. Like a big old, um, like, yeah, go, like, like a go sign. Jarring like, like neon letters. Yeah, it's like a traffic light where it's just it just says go. I would say uh, even if you think that you have nothing to give, you do. So I love that uh, that idea that it's possible to have both humility and confidence and let both of those coexist inside each and every one of us. Just because you're younger or less powerful or less popular, whatever you think you are less than the other woman, you have something to give. And then the, the third thing, since we're talking about women being helpful to other women, I just want to remind everyone to ask for help, right? Like, ask for allyship for yourself. What is the thing that you need? And remember that uh, we will never get what we don't ask for. So, you know, we've had this entire conversation about being allies to others, but like, help yourself a little bit too, right? Do you have a mentor that only hands out advice? <laughs> Ask them for the introduction, right? Like, do you have a, a boss that's been overlooking you? Ask for a, a promotion or a transfer. Just like ask for the thing that you need for because you deserve it too. And I think that the more that you succeed, the more that you can help others. So what I got in the starter pack is like a, a, a big go sign. It's green and it says go. And then like I pictured like sunshine care bear. Where, like, you got to shine your light everywhere you go. Love Care Bears. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> and then last, like, a blowhorn. Like, you have to ask for help. You have to ask for mm-hmm. the things that you need. Mm-hmm. Don't we all forget that too much? Too much. Yeah. Yes. I had a professor at business school who told us on the last day of class, he gave us all these pieces of advice. And one of them was that life may not be fair at any one point in time, but it tends to furnace over time. Hmm. And... I think that that's really important to keep in mind, right? Like it might feel like you're down. It might feel like someone else is winning and you don't want to help them. And like, you know, the like she got hired and took your promotion. It might feel that way, but it's not. That's just one point in time in, in a long and fruitful journey for both of you. So just remind yourself that like over time, all of that good that you put out into the world will come back to you in spades. And mm-hmm. and and there is more to the world than that one promotion. There's a longer career ahead of you. And when you think from that place of there's room for all of us, you will just automatically be able to be a better ally because you won't be worried about taking away from yourself in order to give to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love all of that, Leslie. Mm. <laughs> I, I grew out of that lime green jacket anyways <laughs> I did. I mean, it was like a smaller extra small i totally grew out of it literally and metaphorically yeah and ruined yeah. someone's uh, not ruined but you know <laughs> made someone's work life tough for no reason mm. all around that yeah mm-hmm. it's good to think about the long game leslie feinzag ceo and founder of the female founders alliance and ruth the lovely wonderful ruth who is now sacked out on your chest <laughs> thank you both for coming in we're so glad we got to talk to you Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me bring Ruth. This was the my first test of bringing uh, Ruth out into the world in a professional setting. And I thought that there wouldn't be a better, more supportive place to do it than here with the two of you. That, that's a true story. So thank you for letting me. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was a great conversation with Leslie. I'm so glad that she came and... 
baby Ruth was so I quiet. I know. I mean, really, she was there in the beginning, but by the end, she was knocked down. I know. I mm-hmm. feel like we were all trying to speak quietly, so yeah. we didn't wake her up. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's looking for a heartbeat sound. She doesn't care about us. Oh, my God. So mm-hmm. what stood out to you besides besides Ruth? What stood out to you in that conversation? Yeah, so much. <laughs> I've taken so much from it. You know, the main thing is the idea of advice versus action showing up yeah. for someone and being present. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge advice giver. Like yes. I'm, I'm very big on like, Did you, oh, have you tried this? And like, here's another option. As we were and like, walking in here, you were giving me advice on something. It's all I do. <laughs> it's terrible. But I've been trying to be better about being more actionable and saying like, okay, cool. So like, Jeannie, I'm asking what's going on with Jeannie. She's saying she got a lot on her plate. Okay, cool. How Can I help be yes. with an action and take something off of her plate? You also did that for me this week, which I mean, was amazing. And, and then I also want to come back for feedback in terms of like, you know, tell me how it went. Like, let me know if you need me more in the future. Because a relationship is about like constantly being in conversation and yeah. helping each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like just having been with you the last week you've taken in some of the stuff that leslie's talked so about much. and i've seen you do it it's kind of awesome it was beautiful it's yeah. been impactful yeah like mm-hmm. how about you i've been thinking so much about leslie's idea of measuring your effectiveness mm-hmm. um i feel like i've spent a lot of time sort of reflecting on times in my career when i thought i was an ally and i wasn't an ally and you know beating myself up for that but honestly that's not a very helpful thing to do. Like, no. that's not actually going to change how I act in the future. It's just going to make me feel bad about what I did right. in the past, right? right? So I've been thinking a lot about that idea of knowing what you're trying to change, what you're trying to move the needle on, and then figuring out ways to be effective to do that, and then measuring whether it actually made a difference. And, like, one of the ways to do that is to... Ask for feedback, as you just said, yeah. right? Like, what's a good way to do that, though? I mean, let's yeah, do that. no, that's a really good. That's a really good question. I mean, one way to do it is say, okay, um, I sent those recommendation emails for you. What happened? Yeah, um, you know, um, or even these are the emails I'm thinking about sending. What do you think about the language? Mm-hmm. How does that work for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Just as you know, one example, but just I mean, these are the emails I'm thinking about sending. How does this language work for you? Mm-hmm. It feels like there are lots of different ways to do that that I haven't even considered, really. Yeah. And, and one thing for me is I get a lot of, like, the meetings where people ask me to, like, sit down and pick my brain and yes. to help them with advice. But maybe I could start following up with just, like, how did it turn out? Ooh. Or maybe having more appointments where I'm trying to figure out if I'm actually making an impact yep. and measuring my own success. Yep. Because maybe I'm not great at the things I think I'm great at. <laughs> well, that's a real. I mean, that feels like a really good use of that time, mm-hmm. for sure. Somebody else who kind of brought that up is Michaela Kiner. Yeah. So Michaela is joining us in season two as kind of our HR whisperer. Yeah. She runs this (laughs) HR consultancy called Reverb. And one of the things she talked about that stood out for her was that advice versus action dilemma. Right. And she said, you know, if if you feel compelled to give somebody advice, maybe ask them if they want to hear it first, right? Like, that is another way of getting feedback. Yeah. I have some advice for you. Do you want to hear it? Because I've definitely been, like, had pockets full of advice. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Binders full of advice. (laughs) It's so true. I've got several briefcases, and they're all full of advice. (laughs) Yeah, that's a beautiful point. And I love, too, what Leslie touched on in this talk in terms of if somebody gives you feedback, like... 
on your allyship, the thing that you think you're doing so well at, take that advice and listen. Yes. Right? When somebody approached her about the Female Founders Alliance title not being um, inclusive to all folks, Mm -hmm. she went to the drawing board to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And she hired people and she took the advice of her employees. Yeah, she listened to their feedback. Yeah. Yeah. To like really make sure that she was stepping up to the plate with where what she wants to be and what the space she's trying to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated how that she was honest about that, right? Like a few years ago, she would not have recognized that the word female yeah. talks about biology, which can be really exclusionary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't fall on that gender binary or for folks who have transitioned. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Who deserve every right to be at the, in these spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... We could sit here and have like a whole other episodes yeah. worth of sort of breaking down the I know. stuff that we heard. Like there's and, you know, you're in our Facebook group, right? Like this mm-hmm. feels like this is the most common dilemma that people bring up. Right. How do you deal with women who seem to be undermining you at work? How do you make sure that you're being an effective ally and advocate for other women? So we have a whole extra bonus episode about exactly this. <laughs> Seriously, it's exciting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. um, if you go to KUOW.org slash BTSW and contribute $20, you can hear that bonus episode and every other bonus episode we're making this season because we're making a lot more. And it's so worth it, you guys, honestly. I know for a fact that the conversation that's coming up first is like really one of the most impactful conversations that like has happened on your career. Yeah, Jeannie? Like, yeah. If it wasn't for Phyllis, you wouldn't be here. Yes. The person we're talking to in the bonus episode about allyship is one of the strongest allies I've I've ever known. Mm -hmm. Hands down. (laughs) Hands down. Yeah. She should have a cape. She should be able to fly like. Well, you guys, this turns into a weekly podcast if you contribute. Also, we have a whole community of badasses ready to share their own tactics for your dilemmas at work. So join our Facebook group. It's BTSW podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. So one last question about allyship for Eugenie. Okay. I'm listening. In this uphill battle of fighting sexism at work, ooh, armored up, if I continue to pull my load, will you pull yours? Yes. Yes, I will. All right. (laughs) BTSW is a production of KUOW in Seattle. Our senior producer is Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. Woohoo! All the names. Special thanks to Cynthia Chu, who keeps all the trains running on time. Yes, she does. Our managing producer is Brendan Sweeney. Special thanks to Michaela Kiner and Ruchika Tulshian, who have been advising us this season. This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club, written by Jessica Bennett. Our theme music was composed by Kessia Gordon. Our graphics designer is Tio Popescu. I'm Jeannie Yandel. I'm Eula Scott Bino. Keep up the good fight. See you soon. 